aim of this podcast, by the way, is engaging our minds with some of the deeper truths of our faith, and lament is just one of them. And so in this episode, we break down lament. Zach and I kind of talk about how lament is structured in the Bible and how that gives us language to pray and talk with God. I'm really excited for you to listen to it. Thanks for being here. Let's see what happens. Those of you listeners, if you're hearing like a, a, a shh in the background, that's because we had to turn on the air conditioning. Uh, we thought we could do it without, but it is roasty toasting here. So what we're kind of starting to talk about is like, Zach, I'm, so help me figure out how to lament. Like, let's talk about like the structure of how laments work and how do I do this on a personal level? Like, how do I pray a prayer of lament? Yeah, so I've been, the way that I started to get introduced to lament was through this author named Mark Vrogop. And he wrote a couple books that I listened to slash read the majority of. Um, and the first, his first book actually was called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Okay. So just a great, great title there because it just kind of um, foreshadows what you're about to read about. And his second one was Weep With Me. And that one's specifically about racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So I think in today's day, both of them you should read if okay. you can. And then the second one, Weep With Me, is just going to give good context for you to be able to... Um, especially for white America, because it's written from a white pastor, mm-hmm. pastor writing about, um, you know, predominantly uh, dark skin color individuals' journey. Okay. Um, but as Christians, we 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 have to have these methods to be able to come and connect with our brothers and sisters, regardless of what race and language, right. and 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 where they come from. So he has essentially. Uh, <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the Apple iPhone. <laughs> um, he essentially has four words that he uses to explain what what lament is. And he says okay. it's turn, complain, ask. And he says ask boldly. Okay. And then finally, we need to trust. So, turn, complain, ask. Boldly. Boldly. Trust. And trust, yeah. So It's the word tact spelled backwards. Yeah. T-C-A-T. T-C-A, okay. So there it is. Okay, so turn, complain. So turn, complain, ask. And trust. Trust. So, I mean, essentially turn is, I mean, it, it very, that's what we read throughout the Bible all the time. It's like people in rebellion away from God. Right. Um, you know, you know, people as far as the east is from the west, right? Need to turn around and come back towards the garden, come to, back towards the person that that created them, the person that knows them best. Or even in my suffering, to like take a deep breath and turn toward God. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I think that's even probably more specific too. So it. less repentance and more like, yeah. In I, because when we're in suffering, it's kind of all we're seeing, and we're kind of just dealing with it, and it's kind of taking this moment to be like, hang on a second. Yeah. Let me pivot my thoughts and my mind and my heart for God for a second. Yeah, let me get my head out from underneath the water right. and take a breath. Right. Um, and as I take a breath, then let the complaint comes out. Okay. Come out. Okay. Um, and when he when when Mark is talking about complaint, you know what he talks about is just bringing questions of injustice. Right. He wants to, and I said it earlier. 
um, where is God? And if God loves me, why is he letting this happen to me? Right. So like somehow verbalizing, taking those two themes of you, of the problem that you're experiencing yeah. right. and putting those into most likely a how question. And yeah. That's why you read in like the Psalms, how long right. um, will you, you know, how long will you hide your face from me? Yes. Yeah, like how long will justice take to get here? Yeah. Right. Okay. And then like why questions? You know why? You know why? Why am? Why is my mom sick with COVID nineteen? Right. Why? Right. Why all of these things? Right. So just learning to like use blunt complaints of what the exact issue is and just direct it at God. Okay. And and just sit there and just wonder with Him. Right. About how long it's going to be and what he's what he's going to do about it. Right. Okay. Um, so some, I mean, uh, just to reiterate how long, where are you right? and where were you okay. during these things? And those okay. are the questions that you hear from, from skeptics. And, and, and so what's, what's great about this is the Bible is using and Mark here in his books and, but mostly through Psalms, like the Bible's using the same questions that we get from skeptics. Right. And like, Hey, well, if, if, if right. God is real, where was he here? Okay. And we should not be afraid to like take on those questions because those are the exact questions we're being taught by Jeremiah and by Psalms to ask ourselves. Right. We and we said this back in a previous podcast. We don't have that answer. Right. We don't have that answer. But right. what what we do have is an example um, mm. through the Old Testament and the in the New Testament with Jesus of like what we're supposed to do. Right. We've got that answer about what we can do when tragedy strikes. Right. So I turn to God, I complain to God, I complain to God, I say, I don't like this. I like looked up Psalm 13. How long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? I mean, that's like a, that's a, that's a complain and an ask, right? Mm -hmm. Which kind of gets to the next thing. And sometimes there, there are things, but I mean, like, look at the injustice, like look at all of these things. Um, and so then I ask. Yeah. And the ask is who better to ask than like, we don't go, I don't go to a doctor and ask my doctor about my car problems. Right. And vice versa. Right. I, I go and ask somebody that's been there and experienced it and wow. not only experience it is kind of the author of it. And, uh, just no, if, if I had access to the smartest individual on any particular, particular topic at will I would want to go ask that person right and that person we do have on this particular topic is Jesus because yeah. Jesus was a man of sorrows he's experienced every trial and tribulation that the world can muster up yeah Hebrew says he's tried in every way with that we are but without sin well there you yeah. go yeah we literally have a verse that says that right so yeah that and we have the ability to ask that person yeah and we can we can ask him boldly yeah and and and, and maybe speak into this, like when I ask Jesus boldly, you know, Lord, how long are we in, in the United States? Yeah. Are we going to see the travesty of, of racism? Are we going to see the injustice of racism? Right. And the, the, the pointless murders and the endless and the endless arguments and bickering on social media and, and, and mass media just giving conflicting points of view so that everybody's confused and we live in this 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 world of confusion how long before you set set it right for right, us right 
And, and, and I take that question and then we have this other, and I might be like conflating something that doesn't sit right with it, but it's like when you ask your father, who, uh, what father will you ask for something and he'll give you a oh, snake? Ah, uh, this is in Luke and Matthew. Like which of you, when your son asks you for bread, gives him a stone? Right. And if you then who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Actually, Luke says, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit? Right. Those who ask him, which I think is interesting. So how do those two things come together yeah. in this area? Well, I think like, also think about Jesus says, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Right. Okay. So I think boldness is, you know, as a church, we said, we're going to pray Psalm 91 for 91 days that God would end the pandemic. And we ended that on June 16th. And here we are. Right. Um, I think bold prayers almost smack as unrealistic or idealistic. Uh, and if, because if it becomes something that's like doable without the presence of God, then like, why are we even asking? And so I think it's, you know, when I was like, we were walking the road of infertility and miscarriage, like God, like, I mean, we would get pregnant and I would like beg God to just like save that, like cause that child to like thrive. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or like, I mean, and frankly, even now as we're kind of hoping to start a family again, it makes it hard and weird to like talk to God about it because, or increase your families. Yeah. Or increase, increase your family. family. Yeah. Because like even now it like, it, 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 it's hard to talk about because, um, especially something with like child, like having children, it's like kind of either, or like either you have them or you don't. When you ask boldly about like racism, like father, would you bring an end to the sin of racism in our country? Would you do it soon? There's a lot of ways that that could happen. Right. That could happen, um, you know, in our city, that could happen across our nation, that could happen in a variety of ways. But I think there's gotta be this boldness of taking God at his word and this God who invites us to ask him I just read a quote from Charles Spurgeon the other day that was essentially like, listen, the kingdom functions on asking. And Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. Hmm. Oh, geez. Right. So here we are over here worrying about the scarcity and what we don't have. And Jesus actually says, well, you kind of don't have it because you're not really asking. And what's interesting is this ask is in the context of lament. Right. Which means corporate. Right. It's personal. It's corporate. Right. And are we corporately asking with people who aren't feeling the pressures of racism or are we going to the people and I'm almost asking this, I'm asking this rhetorically. Okay. Or are you like going and lamenting with somebody? Right. And I wonder if that's like, you know, change happens by asking. And right. Cause the goal here, I think for me at least is to be a part of a church, to be a part of like the church, capital right. C, that starts to partake in lamenting right so that we can actually as romans 8 says you know join together to produce something that's good and i guess we're actually kind of stumbling on like this interesting moment of like where in the life of our church known as you know the church at 1128 state road like where are we creating spaces for lament um because I, I think that's a key part of it. You know, where are we creating spaces for confession? You know, where are we, where are we doing that? And I think um, Jesus is asked, and you even have some great verses here, by the way, like, um, 
asking God to not remember our sins, asking God to restore us, Psalm 80, asking God don't be silent, asking God to listen, asking God to teach, asking God to vindicate. Like, those are bold prayers. Yeah. Um, I, and so I think that's a key part of it, too. Yeah, and just and being exposed to those as what they are is like, this is how you lament and this is what you ask for right. when you're feeling... Um, you know, trampled on by somebody or when you feel like you need to be taught by somebody wiser than you. Right. Um, when you need to be forgiven for your sins, like Lord bless me in this and don't for, don't remember my sins right. or something right. like that. Right. Um, and, and how much do we need to pay attention to the old covenant, new covenant with some of these? I don't know. I don't think as much in the okay. asking. Yeah. God is just as willing to vindicate my cause in the new covenant as he was in the old, to heal me in the new covenant as he was in the old. I mean, God's the same. Uh, it's just that, let me see if I say this out loud and if I disagree with it. It's that God set up parameters for how we would be engaging with him. And we're living in the fullness of it, right? And so, um, yeah, I don't I don't think so. And I, I think that the boldness is like even highlighted when Jesus, there's this great story in the Gospel of John that two of John the Baptist's followers see Jesus walk by and kind of start trailing behind him. And Jesus turns around and looks at them and says, well, what do you want? It's a fascinating question. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. I think God is interested in, t in knowing what we want. But I also think in the same way that God asked Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? It's not that he didn't know where. He needed them to articulate it. When God says, what do you want? It's not that he doesn't know. It's that he's inviting us into a process to understand and kind of recognize what we want, really. Yeah. And so I think there's such value to that. Well, yeah, and I was, I can't remember who I was talking to this. When I, this idea just first came into my head, I was like, we need to talk about lamentations. And one of the hardest questions that we ask here at this church, we, we'll talk about um, what are you grateful for? Who do you want to bless? And what do you need? Right. The hardest one for every single person is what do you need? Yeah. Everybody's like, uh... Uh, well, because sometimes it's like in a social setting, like, I don't know, do I want to say like this really intense thing or do I just want to say like, and we should I though. Need, and I think I could use some sleep. Like, I th right. And I, th yeah. And I think, um, which I think we've talked about making that an outlawed answer. Like, cause there, there could be an outlawed answer for like, there could be many outlawed answers, answers right, because yeah. any answer that skirts the responsibility of entering into your community of with, with lament. Right. Because we're missing out on the bold ask. Right. We're trying to tell our people, or we should be trying to tell our people that we're in community with right. what we need. And it's not just that we're telling them, we're telling God so that we can all enter in together in prayer. Yeah. And man, maybe that is, I think that's a key piece we're missing. And that's like, we're missing the understanding of how to lament. Yeah. Or, and, and, and I guess, and here's the reality, is if there's not a background culture of lamenting, like if there's not, if in the public space we're not giving some space to for lament, we're probably not going to do a good job or feel a lot of permission to lament in the private space or the personal mm -hmm. space, right? But I like how you say we need to move away from why and how and where to who. I think, by the way, technically, grammatically, we'd be saying to whom. Well, that's what... Uh... That's what Randy Banning is for in my world. She comes <laughs> yeah. in and uh, she Shout edits all of Banning. my stuff. Yes. Thank Shout you, Randy. Out. Yes. But to who? So we're moving. And I think that's great. Like, not even, because sometimes preachers say, like, you need to not ask, like, why is God doing, but what is God doing? And I think that's even better. I think God wants us to ask who. Like, 
who in the heck are you? And I remember after our third miscarriage, this distinct sense of like, I don't even know who, like, I think I literally journaled, I don't even know who you are anymore, Hmm. which is problematic because like professionally, my job is to tell other people who you are. And it's interesting is like right underneath that, it's trust is the last part. And then right underneath trust, well, it says a nice little, um, uh, what do we call those things? Um, It says a nice little sound bite that says suffering refines what we trust in. Right. And that's first Peter one. First Peter, he says like, and this is the message, which I kind of have remembered, like gold put pure gold put in the fire comes out proved pure genuine faith put through trial comes out proved genuine right and so like um and i i think that's i think you're right because we watch christians go through suffering and it rocks their faith and they walk away from god and in that moment it kind of reveals that they weren't they really weren't trusting in god mm-hmm they, they were trusting yeah. in something else. Yeah, because I wrote else. that as like this optimistic, like, oh, suffering refines what I trust in, with the understanding, like, it's God. Right. But somebody else, they trust in something else when they leave God, when they walk away from right. God. It's revealing that. And, and so I think, and it does. Like, listen, that exp- I know parts of God's character through suffering that I did not know. And so I don't want to say that I want everybody to suffer. Um, Steph tells a story. Um, but wouldn't it be true to say that everybody suffers? Oh, Who 100%. on the planet Earth suffers? So, like, you don't have to wish that everybody suffers. Everybody's going to suffer. What? It's whether or not we know how to say what we need. Or, like, whether or not That's we true. recognize, That's like, true. that That's we're right. actually suffering. Because you can talk to me who, hey, Zach, how you doing? I'm good. So, Steph worked when, before we got married, Steph worked at the Moody Bible Institute. Go Archers. Yeah. Um, and she was in residence life. And so there would be four people in this position called RD, resident director, two women, two men. And so uh, it came time to hire a guy and the candidate they loved most, uh, he was perfect for the job and they ended up hiring him and he actually mentored us and um, we we know him well. But one of the comments that they even had a conversation about the interview was like the hesitancy they had in hiring him was that he hadn't walked through something difficult yet. And, and here's the, and listen, this is just scripture proving true. Like Roman says that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Um, that there, that there is a refining process that grows us. What's ironic is not that you wish suffering on somebody, but shortly after you got hired for that job, his wife came down with this, I don't know how to describe it, this mystery illness. Hmm. Still don't know what it was, but she was like laid up for like 18 months. It was awful. Like their life went through the ringer. You know, Um, and but they came out on the other side of it. Well, usually it happens one of two ways. You either come out more bitter or you come out more gracious. They're profoundly gracious people. Yeah. Um, And I just want to like enter in right there and I just want to like reiterate maybe what we already talked about earlier. That was not God doing that. Right. That was not God saying like, oh, if you're going to take this job, let me let me punch you real quick. Whammo to make you better at it. Yeah. No, it that was. Uh, the fallen order of the creative universe. Creative and just universe like something that was coincidentally linked to the fact that he almost didn't get hired because he quote unquote didn't work through something, didn't live through something hard. Right, life. right. Yeah. So it wasn't like, okay, now you got this job. Let me, yeah. And I, and I guess I really, and maybe other... could there be like, maybe, maybe not God there, but maybe like some enemy play there. Well, this is a good, this would be an interesting series of podcasts to, to talk about. Like, 
where where is God causing? Where is God allowing? By the way, what is the difference between those two things? Yeah, with somebody that's sovereign. Well, because to me, I'm like the difference between causing and allowing feels incidental at yeah. best or yeah, technical, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, versus how much of that is like the enemy causing us harm. Hmm. Um, and is that just the way the way the world is? Is that like the enemy will target us in seasons, or the world will just coincidentally kind of crash down on us? Or, I think, and I don't know if there's a solid answer for that. By the way, I think different traditions. I think like the Wesleyan tradition has a different answer than like the Calvinistic tradition than does like the more charismatic Pentecostal tradition. Um, still, something interesting to think about. But no, like it wasn't. It wasn't like God saying, "Okay, now, like God." I will say this: God does not play games. Right. He is He is not a trickster, and and so. You know, it wasn't like God saying, "Ha, here's my chance." Yeah. Instead, what? But suffering does refine what we trust in. It makes us know more of who God is, which is why I love in Psalm 13. Um, but I trust in Your unfailing love. I will rejoice because You have rescued me. I'll sing to the Lord because He is good to me. I mean, like that is so good, like. I was going to pull up Habakkuk chapter 3, because, like, Habakkuk 3 is, like, so good. Um, well, some of the, like, in... E, this is ahead. Habakkuk 3, sorry, just real fast. Even though the fig trees have no blossom, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yeah. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I mean, listen, I've never, like, you know, harvested grapes in my life. I own no sheep, but I know exactly what that's getting at, right? And, and the, the, the key word there that we move from the complaints to trust is typically the words like yet and but, but. and is there another one? I don't know. Those would be the two biggies. Because the one, that, the, the one phrase, when I first started figuring out this, like, trust in God piece of the equation that brought me some peace... Mm-hmm. Um, was actually in Daniel. You may have been teaching through Daniel. You I've never taught through Daniel. Uh, well, I was listening to somebody else teach through Daniel. I was cheating on you. That's all right. Um, <gasps> and, well, uh, I hope I can go find a dun 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 <laughs> sound effect for that. It was the idea of like where it's Nebuchadnezzar, right? He's the king, and he's gonna throw Daniel and his people in the fire. Yeah, and and and. Nebuchadnezzar's kind of taunting him. He's saying, if, if your savior, or if your God is so powerful, he'll come down and save you. Right. And Daniel's essentially saying, like, yes, I believe that he would do that, but if he doesn't, I still have trust in him. Right. And it's that, like, that but part that I just latched onto that. I was like, oh. Like, that was the first time that I ever paid attention to it. Like, it clearly says it in all the Psalms. Clearly, I wasn't reading any Psalms. I keep like, joking that I want to preach a series called The Big Butts of the Bible. Yes, we should do that. Because, like, that's a good one, like the Daniel one. Like, um, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, in his rich mercy, being yeah. rich in mercy and abounding in love, made us alive together with Christ. Like, um, Yeah, in the Bible, you have to look for uh, the prepositional phrases and um, the conjunctions. Yeah. And you get like, you, you glean a lot of like information there. And so we are coming to trust in like God's character, right? Yeah. Cause that's, that's what's on the other side of the butts is a trust in the character of God. 
Yeah, and the one that I wrote, so it's like in Lamentations. So the turn in Lamentations is actually chapter 3, 19 through 24. Yeah. After, after, you know, I cried in chapter 2, you know, I read a little bit longer. And halfway through chapter 3, you know, you get you get the butt. You get... Right. You get um, Jeremiah talking about God's inexhaustible hesed. And hesed was a word that that you first kind of... Or maybe it was art. It came up a lot when we were preaching through the book of Ruth. Yeah. Um, the chesed. You got a yeah with your mouth there. Chesed. Actually, I was doing that in the car the other day, and Zoe was copying me. She was doing the same thing in the back Which seat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and this is actually the first I was talking about earlier. The thought of my suffering and homeless homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And by the way, that's I key. think that's important. Is yeah. that lamenting is not forgetting. Yes. Right? Um, well, and, you wouldn't be able to have this conversation without re- recalling your... Yes. In, your... Um, infertility and miscarriage. Yeah, infertility and miscarriage. Right. And actually, I read a really interesting book. In my undergrad, I took a class called Biblical Theology of Suffering, which was way more interesting than it sounds. We read a book by by a guy named Miroslav Volf. Mm. Miroslav Volf. That guy knows what he's talking about. He does. It's called The End of Memory. Uh, and it... <coughs> COVID. It's happening. Um, the End of Memory. And in that book, he talks about... Like, what happens to our bad memories in heaven? Hopefully we don't forget them. He said... It's interesting. His point is that it's like we live in an eternal state of it not coming to mind. So, like, I live all the time with, like, that pain in my past. It's mm-hmm. just not coming to mind. Yeah, yeah. And that's So, it's really interesting. But he, So, I will never forget huh. this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yeah, and so I think, by the way, then there's, there's permission then. It is okay for Christians who experienced trauma in their past to even talk about it decades later, later and be healed and be whole and be walking in victory and still have tears come to your eyes and feel sadness about yeah. that. And and also people not then come up to you and be like, is his faith shaken? Yeah. Is right. there something wrong with him? Right. And it's, no, it's just like, listen, I love, nerd alert, at the end of The Lord of the Rings, I love that it says Frodo, the main character, is like stabbed with this blade in the first book. And every day on the anniversary of being stabbed, every year on the anniversary of being stabbed, it hurts. Nice. I love that. Um, I love that Jacob, after wrestling with God, has a limp for the rest of his life. Hmm. Right? So it's okay to walk with a limp. Um, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love, the chesed of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, Yahweh is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And that's that's the trust is regardless of the things that happen to me, like Yahweh is my inheritance. And honestly, man, like that's the other difference is like the re- when, when suffering refines our trust, here's what we find out. Was I trusting in God to get more of God? Or was I trusting in God to get something else hmm right and so the people who walk away from God after suffering really reveal that it wasn't about having more of God it was about the peace he gave them or something he did for them or what they could do for God Sky Jathani has a great book on this called With and um, and, and so I, I think that's a big part of it too 
Well, I, and that that's just so that just that reflection and idea there just leads me into this this song. I don't know what do you call this a song or a hymn by Annie Flint. Yeah, and I just want to read it because this has been. I mean, because it can't be said, it can't be paraphrased, any, paraphrased any better than just the way that it's been written. And it goes like this: <clears throat> He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not, thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father both thee and thy load will bear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. You know, we say this podcast is to engage our minds, but the reality is God made us as a unity of body and mind and heart and soul and spirit. We're just a big glob. And so when we engage our minds, we engage our hearts. And I pray this is just equipping you in this moment to learn to lament. One more episode after this. Can't wait for you to hear it. Peace.